Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Wolves Fancast episode. We're previewing the Euros. It's Friday, it's 5pm, it's Little Dan and I've got Gully Kular with me. We're going to bring you the hottest drum-based jungle basement tunes off your drive arm for the weekend. I'm always wanting to do that, always wanting to do that, that Friday afternoon DJ. David Rodigan style was that. Rodigan, give me some signal, all the, all the viewers out there, give me some signal. Uh, the Euros start tonight. Um, Italy versus Turkey, 8pm. Uh, England start their campaign on Sunday at 2pm at home at Wembley versus Croatia. Gully, we've spent the last sort of nine months deflated watching Wolves and we've decided to pick the most deflating international team in history to support over the summer. What's your thoughts uh, with England going into the campaign? We've got some exciting young players, but have we got enough to go all the way? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let people know early. I'm not, I'm not a personal England fan. Um, it, it's never really been my thing, international football. But yeah, you know, just watching a hell of a load of good players, what uh, picking a ball around over the summer is always fun. So, you know, looking forward to that at least. Um, you're right. I do think England have a talented squad available to them and um, quite uh, lopsided in, in the attacking third of the pitch though and um, a lot of question marks over the back line so you do need um, a solid defence I think to get through any tournament I think if you have a look at the winners over the last few years most of it has been built upon solid foundations even you know that that tiki-taka Spain team that won the World Cup in 2010, 2012 Euros, 2008 Euros you know hardly conceded any goals um, so to think England are going to win it, um, you're going to have to pull out some serious performances from some defenders who haven't necessarily taught any trees. Speaking of defenders, going into the game on uh, Sunday against Croatia, I think Harry Maguire's still a doubt. I know he's recently begun training again. Does Conor Cody make that starting lineup? Oh, you know what? There's so many um, rumours out there at the moment, aren't there, about who is going to be featuring as part of that back three. Um, I've always talked about, you know, fullbacks being very good options as part of a back three. Maybe not both sides, but at least on one side, we've seen players like, you know, Cesar Aspilicueta do it really well for, for Chelsea. Um, and Carl Walker's filled that role nicely for England as well. So alongside a fullback, I think if it's a back three, you should be having to recognise centre-halves. John Stones is obviously going to be one of those players. Um, but the other is very much up for debate. And it seems like Ben White might have even played himself into contention for that role as well. But when you've got someone who's played that position um, and Gareth Southgate clearly fancies Cody uh, as well, um, given that he's he's given him plenty of game time and, and, and called him up on a number of occasions now, why wouldn't you just stick him in there as um, someone who knows the role inside out? It's, it's a tough one. I don't envy Gareth Southgate picking this team uh, come Sunday. We've talked on the defence there, but with the attacking outlets that England have got, Jack Grealish, Phil Folden, Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, how does he fit all those players into a starting eleven? I think sort of the majority of the English community are demanding that Jack Grealish starts, but... He's been injured the majority of this season. Sort of Phil Foden, Mason Mount have just come off the back of a Champions League final. How, how do you, how do you fit Jack Grealish into this lineup without dropping one of the other mentioned? 
I think you've got to take a look at the individual characteristics of each of the players, really, because ultimately, you know, you've got at least three games to navigate. You know, you've got a squad for a reason. And coming up against the teams you're going to come up against, you know, starting with Croatia, I think Croatia are a team who would like to keep the ball a little bit. I don't think Grealish is necessarily the man who's going to run in behind defences um, and, and play on the break. And I think England could probably do that against Croatia. Um, so really, it doesn't make sense to me to start him um, in that game. So, you know, moving on from that, though, the likelihood is, you know, some of the team like Scotland who are going to sit a little bit deeper, then you need a little bit more craft and a little bit more guile. And someone like Grealish can offer a little bit more in that kind of game. So I'd expect to see someone like Sterling or Rashford playing on that um in that front line alongside Kane and probably Foden. Um, and then maybe tweaking it for one of the other fixtures. Heard a mad stat today that England have never won their opening fixture of the Euros. Is that a duck that they can break? I mean, Croatia and I walk over the beat us in the last uh, World Cup semis. Luka Modric still seems to be at the top of his game. Um, Rakitic as well. Dejan Lovran was a bit of a shambles at Liverpool, but international level, he seems one of the most solid defenders out there. Can England break the duck on Sunday? Well, I think yeah. If you look at if you're looking at history, like you mentioned, if England have never won an opening game, you know historically Croatia have been a good tournament team. You know over the years they've always managed to get through to knockout stages. I think um, pretty much ever since their inception, what in the early nineties. So you've got to expect a tough game and. You know, they've maybe not quite got the forward line that they've had in recent years. You know, someone like Mario Mandzukic is a big miss. You know, he's obviously on the wrong side of, of the age profile now. But have they got the goals in them to to put the the chances away that that excellent midfielder creates? So maybe not. I think maybe this is this is a chance where England can use that youthful exuberance within the squad and you know overrun a um, an aging side really. I want to quickly jump to, which I think is the most exciting element of Euro 2020 at the moment. It's uh, Group F, the group of death. Portugal, France, Germany and Hungary. What team? Let's be fair. Hungary aren't getting out of that group. Which team isn't getting out of that group if Hungary? Well, we all know that it's a, it's a best third place finish uh, system, isn't it? So, my actual actually all of them are getting out. Um, I think if you win one game, you're pretty much short of a place. We saw Portugal win the whole tournament off the back of three draws, I think, um, in the last Euros. So, there's not that much sense of peril around it. I think the, the real advantage is probably finishing as high as you can in that group and playing a weaker side in the next round. Um, so, sorry to give you a boring answer and, um, you know, but pay to your hope that one of the big guns gets knocked out. Dan. But yeah, let's just let's quickly try and rectify my uh, massive cock up there. <laughs> let's quickly just run back through the format. So, not every third place team gets through. No, I think it's four out of the six groups. Yeah. So there's two qualifiers from each group, and then plus four makes a sixteen for the second round. So, I mean, theoretically, France, I think France might struggle. I think it's that might seem outrageous to, to a few people on, on the back that they've just won the World Cup. But 
Germany are always there and thereabouts come the end of a competition. Portugal are easily one of the favourites along with France. So they're going to be, they're all going to be out to beat. France are the team to beat, aren't they? So everyone's going to raise yeah. the game against France. Portugal have still got Cristiano Ronaldo up front, who's probably going to be in the running for the golden boot come the end of the competition. Is Everyone it? is slating Timo Werner and Koi Havertz all seeds of a Chelsea. They've just won a Champions League. So as far as I'm concerned, you can't write Germany off. No, nah, um, nah. I think the, the point you make up. about sorry, yeah, just the the, the, the point you make about France, you, you might have question marks over them, but then you realise they've added Karen Benzema to a World Cup winning side, you know, so yeah. they're probably strengthened. I know, like he, he he limped off in the in the friendlies earlier on last week, didn't he? Um, so he's, he's a bit of a doubt going into the competition. There were rumours coming out of the France camp the other day that there was a bit of a falling out between. Kylian Mbappe and Olivier Giroud. Did you see that? Yeah, they weren't passing to each other, were they? Which is lovely to see. Each other. Yeah, it's it's nice to see that you know there is a Sunday league element to to international football as well. So yeah, it, it could be as I, as I said, it's outrageous to think that France could um, go out early into the competition, but it wouldn't be the first tournament that France go into with a bit of unrest in the camp between staff and team members isn't it so there's always yeah. one isn't there there's always one group who will implode one way or another and it's usually yeah. one of the bigger sides so maybe that group is where you look to and think you know Yogi Love isn't going to be manager of Germany after this tournament you know do the players um go out and and, and give him a good send-off or do, do, do things start to unravel a bit there you know there's there's um there's a few question marks for sure just quickly put you on the spot, going back to that group of death, um, Portugal, France, Germany and Hungary. If you were to put your money on it right now, how many goals do Hungary concede against those three teams? You know, with these tournaments, it's always less than you'd expect, I think. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say probably they'll have a solid maybe seven goals conceded over the three games. You know, I think maybe the third game they'll they'll let it slip you know, with a 3-0 or something like that. But I don't think, I'm not expecting to get absolutely hammered every single game. No, because it's tournament football. You always expect it to be an absolute goal fest. But yeah. things just tend to let you down a little bit. Tentative first round of fixtures for everyone, not wanting to get beat in that first game. Hungary haven't got Gabor Karali in goal with those tracksuit bottoms anymore. So hopefully they've got a better keeper that can keep yeah. those top and, three. And- you know what? I mean, and Portugal done everyone dirty last year, last time round by qualifying with three draws. So you know, as a as a as an international side, if you avoid defeat, you still got a chance of getting through the competition. And that doesn't really send out the right message, does it? If you're looking for attacking football, no, it's 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 a bit like the Premier League to a degree, where it's protect the elite, isn't it? The need the likes of. Um, France and Portugal with the likes of Mbappe and Cristiano Ronaldo, they need them going to the later range for sponsorship revenue, don't they, to get, get those viewers in advertisements and sponsors. They do, so. they do but then the, the enlarged tournament gets you the joy of watching North Macedonia and Finland and Goran Pandev playing at the age of like 30, 52, probably something like that. You can't knock the lad, he's still going. He's, um, you look at sort of... Strikers that will be in this tournament, um, Dominic Calvert-Lewins and uh, Luke de Jong, uh, Holland, these sort of second-string strikers behind the main ones. Who, who's the other one? Um, Milik behind Lewandowski at Poland. Yeah. 
I don't know what odds you'd get on Goran Panda about scoring those second-string strikers, but it might be worth a tipple if you can find it at ball sports. He's got three chances in three games, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he can bag one. We've had a bit of a look on uh, the ball sports website, haven't we, Gully, in regards to um, Golden Boot winners. Where, where's your money going on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do fancy Portugal uh, to go all the way and, and, and lift it again, um, just because I think... They're an even better side than they were. I mean, I don't think they were a particularly great side at last Euros, but they're outright starting eleven. Is got you know packed full of talent now, and one of our one of our own at one point anyway. Um, Diogo Jota has been on fire for his national team and for Liverpool this season. So I'm actually going for a, a Portugal Jota double on um, winners and Golden Boot winner, which uh, is 150 to one to uh, on ball sports so quite a handsome one I think but you know, there's a decent chance of that if you're asking me every time Cristiano Ronaldo misses Jota's there for the tapping it's it's good money if you want to get on it you can get Diogo Jota to be the outright golden boot winner at 33 to 1 each way if you don't fancy Portugal to go all the way I saw a nice little tip that was suggested by our own uh, Van Castrian Jordan Russell the other day which was Olivier Giroud to be top goal scorer in France to win the tournament that was 135 to one so yeah there is some nice bets there on the ball sports website if you want to get involved people um quickly just jump back to england's group uh england croatia scotland czech republic england of 370 to one to get to lose all three of those games which doesn't seem to me that far-fetched considering that um how we froze in previous tournaments how far do you see scotland getting this tournament can they get out of the group yeah, that three seventy to one, it's it's worth softening the blow of uh, England getting hammered, isn't it? Um, but it's, it's not it's it's not that far fetched for me because uh, nah. you know England and uh, on on our day we can completely froze. Like look at the the Iceland games in the past and um, Tunisia in the last World Cup. We only won that late on with a Harry Kane header. So I yeah. mean Czech Republic and uh, Croatia, they're no mugs. And you know Scotland, this is their Christmas Cup final coming once in it playing England at a tournament. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? They're under the team who have benefited from the widened size of the tournament, really, aren't they? You wouldn't have expected them to qualify for a 16-team tournament. Um, so, fair play to them. They've obviously capitalised on that. But when you look at their squad, man for man, you know, they have to build their team around two left-backs, essentially. So, should they really be posing too much of a threat? I think they've got some decent workman-like players. Um you know, likes of Shay Adams, he's a decent Premier League striker. But, you know, could go a long way against some of the other teams, against the likes of Czech Republic, um, perhaps even Croatia. He's obviously playing at a good standard of football week in, week out. And I think some players who play at Premier League level will stand out a little bit more just because, you know, a lot of international footballers aren't actually that good. And Scotland being a case in point, some of the players within that squad, people just wouldn't have heard of because the SPL is um, not what it once was, shall we say. My um, age has started to become more of a realisation to me in recent years of the fact that I don't tend to play um, football computer games as much as I should do. Um, Scotland have got a striker called Ryan Nisbet and it wasn't until he scored last week I'd ever heard of him. Like I said earlier... There's a third place um, qualification for some of these teams if they can get the right results. Wales were the dark horse in the last tournament at the Euros when they managed to get to, was it semis? Yeah, they, uh, 
Yeah, they're going to have to have our Portugal, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, who do you see going further in this tournament, Wales or Scotland? Yeah, I don't. Neither of them kind of scream, you know, lots of, um, you know, progressive play or anything like that, do they? So I think the star quality will come out if, if needs be. We've seen Gareth Bale perform at the top level, at international level, um, really, really well. I think because teams aren't so used to playing together, the individual quality of certain players stands out. And someone like Bale, someone like Aaron Ramsey, you know, from the positions that they're playing in, can influence the game a hell of a lot more than someone like Andy Robertson. So I'd, I'd expect Wales to probably have, make a better fist of it than Scotland. All right, let's quickly uh, get to the rest of the tournament. I know you're a big football manager uh, fan. Who are the um, hot prospects that everyone should be looking out for this tournament? You know, you, you, you're testing my knowledge now. Um, I've, got, I've, got a, I've got a nice eye on Turkey, I think, because... They've got a, a core of players who play for Lille, uh, who've just won the French title. Um, so, Burak Ilmaz, who has been around around for years and years, but has had an unbelievable season, finishing top scorer for them. And um, another lad who plays just often called Yusuf Izuchi, who um, is a nice, technically gifted footballer, as well as having the likes of Soyuncu and Demirel at the back. You know, that's, that's a centre-half pairing that, you know, most teams would be very, very happy with. England would probably be happy with that kind of level of centre-half pairing. Um, the other player that I'm looking forward to watching is Alexander Isak uh, for Sweden, um, who's had a good season with our Sociedad as well. So, you know, a little bit different to, to Zlatan being up there. And, you know, we've seen with some of these, um, you know, massive individual talents, there can be a bit of a an albatross around the neck of some teams. You know, Zlatan hasn't always best brought the best out of his teammates. Um, and Ronaldo can be a bit of a hindrance to Portugal. So maybe Sweden can kind of come out of their shell a little bit. Dan Kulisevsky is the other one from Sweden who plays for Juventus. Um, tested positive for COVID, unfortunately, so might not be available for the first game. But if he can manage to get himself back um, back into the squad, he's a real quality player as well. Just had a look that Sweden have got a really difficult group on paper. Uh, Sweden, Spain, Poland, and Slovakia. So I think Sweden there will be looking at but, one of those third place places. But again, Spain not not exactly the side that we all remember from from probably ten years ago, are they? They're, they're not star studded. No Real Madrid players within the group, you know, which was the big one. Um, I do expect Adama Traore to have a big impact, though, even if he's coming off the bench. I think he's the kind of player that nobody will know how to deal with um, from an international football perspective. And again, going back to the point, you know, he's playing at a good level against probably the most athletic defenders in the world. Anybody with you know a drop-off in pace, a drop-off in strength, they're just not going to be able to cope with him. And you know, last 20 minutes of games, he can make himself a superstar in this tournament. Yeah, I think the ones that I'm really looking forward to, to seeing this tournament whether he starts on Sunday or actually makes any starts in, in a tournament. Jude Bellingham for England, I think he's literally the future of our, our midfield going forward in the next five to ten years. He's an absolute talent. Uh, Junior Musiala in Germany, the same sort of similar player who's going to be well on the fringes, but whether he actually makes any starts during the tournament is number one. Danny Olmos, another player that Wolves were linked to before Nuno decided to go a different route. Um, whether he makes much uh, 
starts for Spain in the tournament. I think he's definitely another one to look out. Anything further you want to uh, add in before we cut this short? Um, honestly, mate, I'm just looking forward to it. I've, uh, we've had a little bit of a break from football, I guess, which I was enjoying, but there's nothing like a summer tournament, is there? And given that, you know, we've been in lockdown and whatnot, seeing fans in stadiums, I've been watching like the cricket for the last couple of days and, and it's been packed to the rafters at Edgebaston. It's just going to be nice to watch football with fans in the grounds and, you know, blazing hot sunshine. And I'm really, really looking forward to it every single day. So... Bring it on. Like you said the other day, if you can't enjoy um, England, just enjoy the festival of football that's upon us for the next month. Uh, thanks for joining myself and Gully on the Wars Fancast, a part of the 90 Minute Network. Thanks to our YouTube sponsor, the Sports Shop Kings Winford, uh, Ball Sports, our betting partner. Hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend and the festival of football that's upon us. Take care, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.